Welcome to this Endo Life episode 72. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. Happy New Year, guys. Um, and I know that Christmas is a time where it's super easy to just enjoy ourselves, and which is great, but that can sometimes mean we've drunk a little bit too much or we've eaten a bit too much sugar or maybe actually it wasn't so enjoyable and we got really anxious, we got really stressed, especially if you're dealing with endometriosis over that period. And that may then result in a more painful period come January. Um, I've experienced it myself and I know that a lot of period experts talk about January being one of the worst periods that many of us have because we've had so many inflammatory food groups um, and we've just kind of not been able to look after ourselves in the same way that we normally would. So if you are worried about your next period or you're anticipating a bad period or you've already got pain, then BU period patches could be for you. I love BU period patches and I know so many other people with endometriosis do. I've seen the reviews, I've seen the comments. Um, the endometriosis community seems to love these. Um, I've, I've even seen people say that these are the only things that work for them over painkillers, which is just incredible. Um, the, the BU patches are 100% natural. They're kind of like plasters. You stick them on your abdomen or your back or both and they release menthol and eucalyptus oils into your muscles and they reduce the cramping. The best thing to do is to wear them kind of 24 hours or the night before your period is due just to kind of get those essential oils working and then wear them over the course of the first few days of your period if that's how long your pain lasts. If it's a full period then obviously keep them on. Um, they last for 12 hours. I find that they're effective within about 15 minutes if not sooner, and then I really feel the full effects with them in about 45. I absolutely love them. I, I wouldn't be without them. Um, and I'm definitely going to have some on hand in January in case, um, yeah, in case I have a bit of a worse period than I normally do because of the Christmas shenanigans. BU have a range of products to help you soothe menstrual cramps naturally, including a CBD balm, CBD drops, CBD spray, um, and the BU patches. So the link is in my show notes. I would love to hear if you try them and how you get on. And I really hope they help you to have a better period this January. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis diet grocery list. This free download gives you an overview of the endometriosis diet and eating for your hormones, tips on shopping for endo on a budget and deep dives into everything I eat on a weekly basis every month. I've also provided my favourite resources for learning more about nutrition for endo if you want to go that bit further. This download is a really perfect way to get an understanding of an anti-inflammatory diet for endometriosis and what that might look like. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis, but it provides you with options that help me to live well with endometriosis. 
and it's here to inspire you to shop maybe a little bit differently and try different foods out. It's not a diet protocol, so it's not a diet that you should be following, you know, to a T perfectly. This is my personal diet and it's here to serve you and inspire you and give you some ideas and see what eating for endo is like in real life. To download, just head to the show notes and follow the link to get your copy. Happy New Year. Um, I hope you guys had a lovely New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, like whatever it is that you celebrate. Um, And if you don't celebrate, I just hope you had a lovely, you know, transition from 2019 to 2020. And if it was dramatic or you drank more than you wanted and you woke up feeling rough or whatever it is, if it didn't go quite to plan, then it's the beginning of the year. You have the rest of the year ahead of you. So don't let that kind of, yeah, dictate how you're going to feel for the rest of the year. Um, I really hope that this is a healthy year for you guys. And I really hope that I can support you to manage your endometriosis this year and um, and even thrive with it. So I hope that the past two episodes were really helpful. Let me know if you want more like that. Um, because I found it really interesting and really fun to do. So, um, yeah, I hope that was helpful. So today's episode, I think you guys are going to love it. Um, and the reason why it's coming out today is because January is often the worst period that we have. Um, because of the Christmas like festivities and a lot of sugar often, a lot of wine, um, maybe some other trigger foods that cause inflammation. Most of us, when we have a period in January, even if we don't have a chronic condition, tend to have like worse periods. It might be worse PMS symptoms. It might be a, um, a more painful period. But yeah, generally it is a lot worse. And I know that in the past, that's been my experience. And so I wanted to provide you with an episode that was really practical and hands-on that could help you manage um, your endometriosis symptoms in January, and especially if you end up having a lot of pain. Um, So today's guest is the wonderful Corinne Kamara. Um, She is just so full of information. You're definitely going to want notes for this, Um, although she is providing a free handout and download so you guys can go to the show notes if you want to um, just skip making the notes and just get all the information from Corinne herself. Corinne is the founder of the Pelvis Wellness Method which combines the practices of acupuncture, abdominal and pelvic body work with energy healing. Uh, She's also an energy body worker, holistic health coach and a licensed acupuncturist. Um, yeah, so she, she does a lot of things. I feel like I have the most impressive guests on this show. Like they're so trained and qualified and experienced. Um, and you know, Corinne isn't just trained. She's actually had experience of chronic fatigue, painful periods and cysts and her kind of difficulties with those led her down the route of Chinese medicine um and after two months of dedicated diet changes herbal medicine and acupuncture her need for surgery um to remove a cyst actually you know it wasn't necessary anymore so um the surgery was cancelled and she's since then dedicated her life to training in Chinese medicine and is so, so committed, I'm sure you're here in our interview, to helping others experience the same level of relief that she did. 
there was so much that Corinne and I tried to fit into this episode and really I could have her back on to talk more about everything. Um, so this episode is really quite practical and it covers a lot of um, areas that you guys are really curious about, like essential oils for endometriosis and massage and vaginal steaming. So we don't really dive into Corinne's story like I have done in some on some episodes, but if you are interested, um, I totally recommend going to her website and just reading up on her story and what um, inspired her to do this work. But as I said, you know, she went from these awful periods and cysts to no longer needing a surgery. So her story is pretty incredible. But as I said, this episode is really practical. And we're actually talking about the home remedies that you can try to try at home to help you manage endometriosis and to alleviate pain. And I'm hoping that those remedies will help you if you do have a, a bit more of a painful period this this January. Um, or if you're just getting more chronic pain in general. So in this episode, we talk about self-intuitive massage and how people with endometriosis can incorporate this into their pain management methods. Um, we also talk about which essential oils can be safely used in the home for massage to help with endometriosis and chronic pelvic pain, because I know that there's kind of like a bit of a fear with essential oils. Like we know that they can be really powerful, but also we know that they can be so powerful that, you know, they can burn our skin or cause some cause some kind of side effects so I was so happy to finally have someone on to be able to share this with us and how to do it safely. Corinne also talks about acupressure points for endometriosis and we go really in detail here so you might want you might want your notebook. Um, We also talk about the benefits of castor oil packs and how to do them at home and we talk about the very controversial controversial um, topic of vaginal steaming and how to use herbs for vaginal steaming and how it can be done safely at home for endometriosis. So this is, yeah, this one is packed with information. I am so grateful to Corinne for her time and her generosity and for just, yeah, providing us with all of these amazing tips. I'm certainly going to be trying out a lot of them myself. I also wanted to remind you that my free endometriosis challenge um, the owning your owning the Sendo Life challenge is live today. It's on Facebook, so if you want to join that Facebook group and take part in the challenge and kind of get on top of your endometriosis and kick off that health journey in January, then you can just join. Just um, find the group. It's owning the Sendo Life challenge and request access, and I will accept and invite you in. You can join any time um, throughout the month. It doesn't matter if you're a bit behind. You just kind of start where you where you would like also if you want to kind of get started with eating well for endometriosis in 2020 then you can always buy my ebook or my print book the link is in the show notes um that could definitely help you get started with some recipe ideas for the year ahead and i'm recording this ahead of time so i'm not sure if i'm going to have any spaces left for the one-on-one coaching But if you're curious about my one-to-one coaching program, it starts January the 20th. The link to find out more about it is in the show notes. Um, Or you can just DM me or email me on hello at thisendolife.com and I will let you know if there's any spaces. Um, At the time of recording this, I've got three, maybe two spaces left. So we'll see what what happens come January the 6th. Um, So anyway... I will let you get on with the podcast and listen to Corinne's amazing advice and I hope that it really helps you. 
So um, would you be able to start by telling us the work that you do at Pelvis Wellness and specifically how you support people with endometriosis? Because I know it's an area that you're really passionate about and, you know, you dedicate a lot of your work to. Yeah. Well, as an acupuncturist, I treat endometriosis as a way of moving energy, moving chi and moving blood and helping with lymphatic congestion as well as helping with pain levels and also helping women understand different meridians of the body and how their emotions are affecting their energy patterns and how that affects endometriosis. And then I also incorporate body work with a lot of what I do. So I incorporate Mayan abdominal massage and I learned the Avego technique. And so I've incorporated that and kind of made a spin on it and kind of made it my own and work along the muscle lines and helping getting more blood and lymphatic congestion to move. And that really helps with the pain. And then I also incorporate hands-on energy healing. So I use all three in my sessions and that's pretty much what I call the pelvis wellness method. And I incorporate all three because I find that energetically a lot of endometriosis has a lot to do with emotional emotions that are being held in the body. And so helping women navigate through that So it could be trauma, it could be anger, it could be frustration, it could be stress, sadness. So it really just depends on what the woman's going through and helping helping them understand how that's affecting their meridians that go through that part of the body and getting them more familiar with getting them more in tune with their body so they can understand what's going on. And of course, I, we always look at food, nutrition, exercise, lifestyle, mindset, and just looking at the whole picture of what's going on in their body. Mm. And when you say for anyone who's quite like new to the idea of kind of energy and, and things like that, you know, within the body, when you say meridians, what do you mean by that? So meridians are pathways of energy that throughout that travel along our body. Okay. So scientifically, they stay travel through our fascia, which is connective tissue. So there's connective tissue all over our body that connects organs. It connects muscle to tendons. It pretty much is the way each part of our body is connected to other parts of the body. And fascia has electricity that passes along it. And similar to the heart that has electricity, our body produces a lot of electricity. So acupuncture is those meridian lines that connect different parts of the body to different other parts of the body. And they, it connects to organs, it connects to different muscles, tendons. It's quite fascinating. And so what acupuncture does is when you put the needle in, the needle is metal, so it's a conductor of heat and, and energy. So by putting a needle in different parts of the meridian lines, you're able to then move the energy from one part to the other, thus affecting the organ that's intended or the muscle muscular structure that's intended or whatever else that's happening. So you can treat a headache by putting points in the feet because that is along the same meridian line. And that's it. and you're able to then move electricity or move energy or move congestion, and that helps to relieve the pain. So when there's pain in the body, there's usually a stagnation or things that are not moving. So I like to think of it like if there's a river and our body's like water that's flowing and there's a dam that's created that's the stagnation. So then you would, as the acupuncturist, you'd want to put needles to help remove that dam to get the water to flow. And that usually relieves the pain or any kind of congestion that's happening. Right. That's so interesting. Um, do you find you have quite a lot of endo clients? 
Yeah, I do. And it's quite interesting. A lot of women have endometriosis and there's a lot of women that are undiagnosed that have a lot Absolutely. of the symptoms yeah. and they don't necessarily want to do the surgery to get the official diagnosis. And it's quite common. It's amazing. I'll go places and I'll talk to women and say, yeah, I do acupuncture and I specialize in sexual and reproductive health. And their initial thing is like, I have endometriosis. And I was just in a store and there was three women that work there and all three of them have endo, which was like, whoa, it's very, very common. And what's also interesting is that it manifests differently for different women. So not everyone has the same symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very specific to the person, though there's a general, of course, a general similarities. However, it's a very common and, um, it's very common and, and actually acupuncture and alternative medicine is a really good way to help treat it. Yeah, it, it's so funny about you saying the the three women who work together because when I, years ago when I was working at a charity, um, I had endo at the time, I knew I had endo. And then when I left, no, and then a girl started before I left who also had endo. And then when I left, my friend who I used to work with in my team, this is all in the same team, got diagnosed with endo. And then two oh, new wow. girls started and they both had endo. So literally every single person in the team, except for the, like, the highest manager in that team, had endo. Mm -hmm. right. It's insane. <laughs> so crazy. It's yeah, my colleagues were like, you've left an endo legacy. You have cursed us all. <laughs> so oh, <sorry."> wow. <laughs> but, um, no, yeah, yeah, super common. Very common. And also it's, um, I also feel that it's, it's something I'm really passionate talking about because I feel like so many women that are undiagnosed that have endo that only that you know are not sure if they have it also need a place that they can talk and communicate and have that sort of sense of community to understand that they're not alone, that there are millions of women going through this. So true. Yeah, absolutely. So you have um people come to you with endo, and I'm sure you've noticed this, but um in my work, I've, I've definitely come across it, and especially being someone with endo. Um, uh, many of us with endo feel helpless mm -hmm. quite a lot of the time, or at least in the beginning when we haven't really worked out a way of managing or it's particularly, you know, it's particularly aggressive. Um, and this is kind of worse because a lot of the control is taken away from the patients in terms of like the medical context. Like, you know, even when I worked for Endometriosis UK, I'd go into an appointment and be like, there's this, 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 this. And then all of a sudden they'd say something and just strip me off my power. And I'm like, well, I'm, right. I work for Endo UK and yet I'm still struggling to like assert my kind of authority and trust my body in contrast to what the doctors are saying. Mm -hmm. So I know that you, besides working with women one-on-one -on -one in your sessions you also kind of have some practices that you give to them to do at home and I think that's really important because a lot of my work that I do is about empowering people to work out pathways of management that work for them that they can incorporate into their daily lives um so I was wondering what kind of could you give us an overview of the practices people with endo can like do at home um, to help them manage? Because I know that that's kind of an area that you're really big on as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel that doctors are wonderful and they have their place in, in the medical system. However, everybody needs to be empowered about their own body and have sovereignty of, 
about what's going on because no one is going to know what's going on in your body more than you. Of course, as somebody that's skilled and educated, I know a lot about the body. However, I think it's really important to initiate your own intuition about what's going on because a lot of times that is more powerful. I've heard so many stories where the doctor says this, says that, and the patient's like, no, but this is happening and this is happening. And ultimately they were right. And so I really want women to start trusting their bodies and really understanding what's going on. And not, you know, not in a medical way, but just like, you know, this doesn't feel right and that's okay. And that's validated. And I think it's important to understand that you are in charge of your body and you there's things that you can do at home to make yourself feel better. And you may not necessarily be able to heal it, but you can definitely treat it in different ways that could help manage the pain and also bring you to a place where you have a, a different relationship with your womb and your pelvic area where you're you're trusting your body that your body's on your team and the pain isn't necessarily against you, but in a lot of ways it's for you because it's teaching you something that you need to learn about yourself. So the pain, I feel like there's a way you can start to embrace the pain and the discomfort and really start to work through it as opposed to work against it. So instead of creating a war with your body, embrace, embrace it and work together and find ways that you can work together and get through the pain and get through the pain and get through the discomfort to get to the other side. And so it's like building a relationship with yourself. And that also includes like self-love, self-worth, just getting to that place where you're fully embracing and accepting yourself. Cause a lot of my patients start to like hate themselves or hate their bodies or feel like their womb is attacking them. And, and I feel like that attitude can make it worse. And so some of the practices I tell my clients to do is something as simple as a massage, like a self-healing massage. And you can do um, multiple ways of doing this. Um, the Avego practitioners, if you go to a, an Avego practitioner, they have a self-care routine that they can teach you. Um, I think it's a little complicated for some people. <laughs> so, you know, just because I'm all about simplicity, if it's not simple, then I probably yeah, won't Yeah, so true. Especially when you're really overwhelmed with pain and you just kind of want to get started. Right. You need to take a small step. Exactly. And I'm all about simplicity. And I feel like simplicity sometimes is the best. So mm. I do a simple round, round and the circular motion around your belly, always going the way your digestive system moves. So essentially that's clockwise. So going from right to left and pretty much it's a circular motion, just a simple, nice, gentle circular motion. And I like to use essential oils and some massage oil, some gentle essential oils that work nice for the belly are like lavender, ginger, cardamom, pretty much nice warming herbs. Cause a lot of time endometriosis in Chinese medicine terms is cold. There's a lot of cold in the body. Okay. So we, so there's nice to put things that are warming and this isn't for everyone. So, you know, you have to kind of with essential oils, there's a lot of intuition that comes with it because there's always, you know, there's always lists that you can go online and say, this oil is good. This oil is good. That's oil good. And I would love to encourage people to go to the store where they sell essential oils pick up lavender and hold it for a few minutes, like th like 15 seconds and, you know, tune in is, is, and ask, is this an oil that's going to help me? And, and I feel like you'll hear an answer. And then you also can feel your body. Like if you hold something, the oil and you have an S you exhale, it's like, okay, 
your body starts to sink in and you feel more relaxed, and this is an oil for you. If you pick up an oil and you start to feel constricted or you're like eh, tense, it's like your body's not really well receiving, it's not an oil for you. So I think it's also important to intuitively start to understand that oils are plants and they carry vibration and it's not always for everybody. So I'll list a bunch of oils, but I also encourage you to like take the list and then go play and figure out and have fun with it and figure out which ones give you pleasure, which ones make you feel good, which ones to make you relax. And those are the ones you want to gravitate towards. And when you say pick them up in the store and see how you feel, would you Mm -hmm. be smelling them in the store? Is that? Yeah. Okay. So you would, you would smell them and see how, if you can and see how you feel, how you respond. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you can pick them up, you can smell them, you can put them on your wrist, you can t- taste, you know, not taste them, but um, pretty much have a experiment. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know what the return policy is in Europe. I know, like, in America, you can go to Whole Foods and buy a bunch of stuff, and if you don't like it, return it. So <laughs> it kind of just depends on, like... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how that would work with, with essential oils if you opened them. Usually, like, if you open something, I don't think you can take it back. But then I'm not super brave and I feel like some other people would just like march in and be like yeah I don't like this where I'm really like I'm sorry Uh, but would it be okay if (laughs) oh I I return things all the time especially from Whole Foods they're owned by Amazon so I don't feel that bad I'm like (sighs) I didn't know they were owned by Amazon it's crazy (laughs) yeah they're owned by Amazon so before I used to be like if it's a mom and pop store like a smaller store I don't do that but with a big corporation I'm just like yeah yeah no I totally get you yeah yeah, no, I'm the um, same. <laughs> so yeah, so then, so so the oils that I use in the abdomen are kind of similar to to um, digestive oils. So fennel is a good one too. Fennel is great for any kind of pain, menstrual pain. That's a good one. I love fennel for that. So fennel, cardamom, ginger. Um, what's a, that? Those are the main ones that I would use in the abdomen. I love cardamom. That's like one of my personal favorites. And would you use them? So, so you'd use them on with the massage. Yeah, with the massage. And, mm-hmm. Okay, and would you dilute? Do you dilute them? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I would take either fractionated um, coconut oil or jojoba oil, mm-hmm. or any kind of oil that you're using. It could even be coconut oil, just like the cooking coconut oil, and just add two or three drops, and then rub it in your hands, and then do the massage. So you just pretty much go round and round as much as you would like. You know, I usually go about 10 to 13 times. And then at some point I go a little bit lower. So I would go like, put my hands like a shape of a triangle over my womb Mm -hmm. or vagina, however you'd like to, Yoni, there's so many different names. And at that point I would just go, I would just go upwards going. So pretty much for my pubic symphysis, which is your pelvic bone, Mm -hmm. Placing my hands there, taking a few deep breaths, and then moving up, moving upwards, as if I'm scooping, I'm scooping my skin up towards my belly button. So essentially, I'm pretty much like lifting my uterus. I'm moving congestion, and then I do it from each side. Go from the hip bone, also then move my skin downward and scoop up, and then on the same on the on the right. Is that clear? Yeah. Okay. So you would go, so for the abdomen, you're going to go clockwise, circular. Clockwise. Mm-hmm. And then for the like womb, you would go from the pubic bone up or do you go down first? Uh, 
up. Always up. Always up. Always going up. Always going up. And then the hip is going up as well. Yeah. So the hip is going up on a diagonal. So you're pretty much, if you are putting, like, if you put your hands on your waist, you can feel your bone, right? Mm -hmm. So then you can go, you scoop a little bit forward and it's, you're now in your pelvic bone. It's like a shape, like a triangle going downwards. And then you're taking your hands and then moving them up gently. So there's a lot of lymphatic nodes on the outside of your groin, like in that area, that's all lymph nodes. There is like one of the greatest collection of lymph nodes in the body and underneath the armpits, another one. So what you really want to do is help to navigate the lymph, the lymph to move because the lymphatic does lymphatic system doesn't move naturally. You have to actually be moving it. It doesn't have a pump like the blood, our blood does. Our blood is getting by our heart. The lymphatic system is moved when we move. So people that are not exercising a lot, they usually tend to have more lymphatic congestion because their body's not moving. Mm. And with endometriosis or painful menstrual cycles or anything that has to do with pain in the pelvic area, they're often having lymphatic congestion that's not moving. So you always want to get things moving. That's why manual... Massage is so effective. And what, what, and also you have to keep in, in mind, like with the lymph, it's very gentle. We're not digging into your, you're not digging into your body like a deep tissue massage. It's really a gentle sweep. It's like a gentle movement. It's always very gentle, very light. And especially if you're in pain, right? You're not wanting to dig in your uterus and dig inside there. It's going to yeah. be uncomfortable. So you always want to make it light, soft. And it's if you, since you're doing it yourself, you can always measure to see how it feels. And you always, always want it to feel good. Like this is a feel-good massage. And so you always want it to bring a, a nice amount of pressure, but you also want it to feel good, feel pleasurable. And it's something that you want to enjoy. And it's also connecting to you to your breath. It's connecting you to your body and connecting you to, for you to understand, because often one side of your pelvis can tend to be more congested than the other. And then you start to feel, oh, my left side is more congested. And if you do it daily, you can start to notice it, it swings with your cycle. Like, oh, I'm, I'm premenstrual. My area, this area is more congestion. After my period, it feels better. When I'm ovulating, it's more swollen, you know, it kind of just depends on how your cycle is flowing. And you, you can start to understand your body in a different way as well. So if it was congested, it would it would feel like swollen or like puffy? Yes. If it's congested, it'll feel swollen, it'll feel puffy. Um, it could also, you can might feel little nodules, mm. um, like little like little knots that are a little bit more painful when you press down on them. Yeah, you also may notice you have some pressure points in there. So a lot of the meridians, all of the meridians go through the pelvic area. So there's a lot of points in there that can be tender. Um, One of the points that I use often is about three inches below the um, umbilicus cord, the umbilicus, Mm -hmm. the navel. And that point is called um, um, REN4. And that point connects the kidneys, the liver, and the spleen, which are the three meridians that are often used with endo or any pelvic pain. And that's a good point to put, also put essential oils on. And I usually take a little bit on the finger and put it on that point and hold it there. Okay. Um, Do you use any oil for that in particular? Yeah. That point specifically, there's a tons of different oils that are specific for that point. 
I'll give you a list right now. So one of my favorite ones is Jasmine. Mm-hmm. So Jasmine moves energy and it relieves stuckness. So pretty much Jasmine's great for any kind of stagnation in the body. But also what I love about Jasmine, it's stagnation in the physical body, but stagnation of the heart because it helps to resolve trauma and shock. And it works, it works a lot with guilt and shame that arises from sexual violation. And it restores trust in yourself and it helps to soften the heart. It helps with painful menstrual cycles, low libido, PMS, and it also encourages femininity and sensuality. So this is a really good point for that point, um, REN4, and it's also called um, um, conception vessel. There it goes. Conception vessel is another name for that meridian. So if people are looking that up, it can also be CV4. I always call it REN4 just because it's easier. It's one word. But... There's two, the na- there's two meridians with the same name, just in case people, I don't want people to get confused, but REN4. And this is one of this convention, the conception vessel is one of the main meridians in the body and it's called what the eight extras. And it's a meridian that has a lot to do with, as it, the name can tell you, conception. It has a lot to do with blood and and um, chi and, and yin. So those are the meridians and those are the, the things in the body that help with liquids. So yin in, in Chinese medicine is anything that's consolidated and viscous in the body. So that's like all the organs are considered yin, blood is considered yin, water is considered yin. Yang is the more energy of the body that is more open in the sense where it's it is more of the, mu- the muscles, the tendons, that's more more of the yang. So yin and yang is kind of a, is, is simple, but complicated at the same time. Like it's, yin is considered like the dark, the feminine nighttime moon. Yang is considered sun expansive energy. That's, that is more movement based. So it's more masculine. And so but yin and yang are inside of each other. One it doesn't exist without the other. So if you look at the yin and yang symbol, the white area has a black and the black area has a white part, yeah. which means they're totally interconnected. You can't have one without the other. So even when something is yin, there's still a yang element to it. Um, so the body is always trying to create balance. And that's what we do as Chinese medicine practitioners is always creating balance. And REN4 is a very yin meridian. So in, in with endo, it's a very yin, it's a very yin um, element because it deals a lot with blood and things that are not moving that which usually are lymphatic and blood. Things are stuck; it's not moving. So, but what so you want to do is increase the yang of the body so th- it helps things move. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. No, it does. So that's why we're really focusing on the kidney, the the spleen the liver and so most of the, the meridians I'm going to talk about are going to be yin and base yin in their in their origin and the other oil I like to use is nutmeg mm-hmm. and this is a very like odd one right because you're like nutmeg <laughs> when I learned about I think this, about I was Christmas like, when I yeah no and I think yeah about right nutmeg. It's not yeah. an oil an oil people really use and you may not be able to find it in stores it's something you might have to buy online but nutmeg is really great for um, easing shock and chronic unresolved trauma and it helps you relax into your body and it helps to re- to connect the heart and the pelvis 
So this is also a point that I use on REN4. And one of the things that's really interesting about the pelvis is one of the meridians that goes along the pelvis is called the daimai, which is also an eight extra meridian. This is like one of my favorite meridians because it's the only meridian that's horizontal. All the meridians are vertical. They go from the head to toe or from the toe to the head or from chest to arm. This is the only meridian that goes around the body like a belt. And that's a significant thing because it pretty much means that all the meridians go through this belt. It's essentially, if you think of when you're wearing a belt, right, an actual physical belt, you're holding up your pants. And if you're wearing a shirt, you're keeping the shirt tucked in. So what a belt really does, it keeps the body together, right? It keeps your clothing together. So neither one of it's falling. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if you think about a belt, when it's too loose, what happens? Your pants fall. And if it's too tight, you can't breathe. Right. Because now your your shirt's too tight, your pants are too tight. And this is what's happening energetically with this meridian. So oftentimes when somebody's going through anything that has to do in the pelvic floor, their daimai is constricted in some way. So either is usually it's too tight. Things are not moving. So it's, it's creating, it's super tight. Things are not moving. And then it's creating congestion for those other meridians to go through the pelvis and then they get stuck. Now, if they get stuck in the pelvis, and then that creates pain, right? So if energy is not moving, it's going to affect everything. And the daimai is also has a lot to do with our emotions. So it absorbs, it holds, it's an area where we put things under the rug. So a lot of times things will happen to us and we don't want to deal with it. We're like, oh, we'll deal with it later. Energetically, it goes into the daimai, which is our pelvis area. So that's an area that holds a lot of old, unresolved trauma, pain, stress. Um, it's like the Pandora's box of emotions. So once you start working with the daimai, things really start to move. And it's also a place where if we can't decide, you know, people are like, oh, I want to make this decision, but they're having a hard time getting clarity. It's really the daimai is not moving. And that has a strong effect on one of another meridian that is called the gallbladder meridian, which is a yang meridian, which is paired with the liver. And the yang, the gallbladder is a meridian that goes to the sides of the body. And it's probably one of the meridians I work the most with on everybody because it, it's a meridian that stores a lot as well. So the gallbladder, daimai are connected because they're pretty much at the storage of our body. So if you think of people that are very stressed out, they often have headaches on the side, temple headaches. They often have shoulder pain, right? Sometimes they get the twitching of their eye. Um, this is all... Yeah, I'm laughing because you're like describing me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all gallbladder. And gallbladder is really connected to the daimai, which then is your pelvis. So a lot of times, and a jaw, right? So they talk about a lot of times when you have tension in your jaw, you almost always have tension in your pelvis because it's that same meridian that's going through each each part. So it's really connected energetically, but also on a meridian standpoint, the fascia lines. And so a good point to release a daimai is actually on the foot. And it's called gallbladder 41. So this is the master point of the daimai. And oftentimes when I'm working with women that have endo, this point's super tender. And the location of this point is if you place your foot on the ground and plant the base of your foot down, the ball of your foot, and you lift your toes towards the sky, 
then you want to take your, your finger, your index finger, and place it between your fourth and fifth toe. And then you want to go down because when you lift your toes up, there's like a triangle that's a tendons. Okay. And then you just pre- pretty much go down until the tendons meet. And that point is usually gallbladder 41. It's So you slide your finger into the space between the two tendons and it should feel sore. So sometimes for some people, the gallbladder 41, there's two locations. It's on the others, on the outside of the tendon towards the fifth toe. That point can be tender sometimes, but I often find it's the middle point. So that whole area could be massaged because acupuncture points are like a little, like a dime size or well, a dime in America are like, I don't know, they're like pretty small. I don't know, the European. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm I'm guessing maybe they look like a tempe or something. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. So they're pretty much, pretty much if you think of your smallest, I guess maybe like a centimeter wide diameter. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is pretty much an acupuncture point. So it doesn't necessarily always have to be the exact area, but that vicinity is gallbladder 41. So it's a good point. It's a good place to massage. And then you can also place, you can also place any of the oils that we're mentioning jasmine nutmeg um another you know any blue tansy that's a good one blue tansy is a really good oil to help move um stuck energy especially liver and gallbladder you can place it at that point so is this when we're talking about points obviously Mm -hmm. as you're an acupuncturist you would be using needles but at home would this be acupressure this is acupressure yeah okay and uh, I use acupressure with my clients too, because some people don't like needles. And so I do acupressure, I do magnets, I apply essential oils to these points. So sometimes I'll do a, you know, quote unquote acupuncture session with no needles. So I'll just do body work, energy work, and place magnets and essential oils on different points. And it's still effective and a powerful treatment. Okay. So this, the the kind of points that you've talked about for us, we're essentially going to be doing acupressure on ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's super interesting. And, and acupuncture, and is acupressure like pretty much identical to acupuncture, but without the needles or is there anything like different about it? Um, well, it's what's different about it is that acupuncture uses a needle, right? So it's at the conductor of energy and heat. So acupuncture is a very direct, way of treatment. So you're going right to the root of it in a, in a more precise way. Acupressure is like you're applying pressure and you're moving energy in a different way. It's more diluted in a sense. So it's not as focused as with a needle, but it's still as effective because you're, pre- you're pressing it, you're holding it, and then you're breathing into it. So you're maybe holding the point for like a minute, mm. doing a little bit of massage, holding the point. And then when you're doing it yourself, you can start to feel things. So you start to understand your body. So as a practitioner, my hands are pretty sensitive, right? So I can hold a point and I could hold it and hold it. And I could feel when it starts to release and you could do that for yourself. And there's so many points in the body. I mean, we could talk all day and I could tell you like, <laughs> it's like 365 oh my 390 points in the body. Yeah. And those are the main those are the main points. And there's still the eight extras. I mean, there's a lot of points and and there's a whole, there's lots of different systems with other points. I mean, acupressure points, acupuncture points are vast, but there's also about a hundred to 50 that most of us use because they're the, they're the most powerful. 
So um, I usually stick to the more powerful points and there's certain points that are known to move energy more. And those are usually the points I use. Like gallbladder 41 is a good point for draining. So it moves energy fast. So I use the points that are like more effective, you know, cause I'm all about time, making things time efficient and quick, quick results. And so I like that point. Another point that's really good for pain is um, spleen. So the spleen channel is all about the digestive, right? So in Chinese medicine, we call it the postnatal chi. So all the energy that we put in our food is essentially what runs our body. And the food turns into blood, right? All the nourishment in our blood cells comes from our food, which is why diet is so, so, so important. Like, I, I mean, all my clients that are, have any kind of inflammatory anything, it's like diet is the number one thing that we talk about, yeah, sugar, absolutely. dairy, all of that. And so two of the points that I like to use for, for my endo clients, one of them is spleen four, and this is on the inside of the foot at the base of the first toe. And it's about an inch from, so like often where when people have bunions or that part of the part of the toe you want to go about an inch below that okay and that and that's spleen four and it's at the border between the light and darkness of the skin so like where your you know where your skin turns to the bottom the skin of yes. your bottom of your foot right i get you yeah, yeah yeah so right between that border is spleen four and spleen four is also connect, connected to an eight extra meridian called the Chong. So a lot of, a lot of I, the work I do is connected to the eight extras. And I talk of them, I talk a lot about them because those are the points, those are the meridians that deal with the primal energy of the body. So these are the eight meridians that were first created in the, in the womb. And they're also the, the ones that have the most, they're kind of like the reservoir of energy in our bodies. And so those are the points that are going to be the most powerful and also the most effective in helping shift the energy in the pelvic area or in in your whole entire body. But since this is what we're focusing on, this is a, these are the points I'm mentioning. And these are the points I pretty much do daily. Really? Like my, wow. These are my, yeah, I'm giving you the inside, the inside scoop here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also feel like these are things that everyone should know. Like, I feel like I was blessed and privileged enough to go to acupuncture school and learn this stuff. And there's so much information, but I also feel like these are things that people can do at home, that this is stuff that they can, it could really help them. So that's why I'm really passionate about sharing information, you know, cause I think people should be able to know how to do things for themselves at home, especially acupuncture is expensive. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, not everyone could, can go see an acupuncture. So it's good to have some tricks up your sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of healing yourself. So could you do like, I think for people who are not familiar with uh, acupressure, it's like, wow, that's like a lot. Can you, before we like go on to any more of the points that you have, can you give us a recap of the points that you've covered? So we've kind of got like a bullet list in our minds. Okay. So we talked about REN4, conception vessel 4. Yeah. Um, And REN4 is three inches below your navel, Mm -hmm. right? And this is um, a point that deals with helping to strengthen the kidney, the liver, the spleen. And this point, if you're also interested in like chakras and all of that, 
this is this is also connected to the second navel chakra. It's also connected to the Dantian, which is an energy center in the body, which is where martial artists use their core of their energy. So pretty much the deepest part of our energies in many di different Eastern medicines are called the Hara or the abdomen. I mean, there's so many different names for it, but ultimately underneath your navel is the source of your energy, which is also your kidney energy. So this is pretty much your where you can go into yourself and pull up energy to use it. Okay. And so, so that's why it's such an important point. And it's important, it's important to make that, to activate that point, to like bring fire and energy to that point. Cause it also would help with your own healing and also being empowered in that space. Cause I feel like a lot of women, me included, when there is pain in that area, it's like, you almost want to go inward and hide and kind of make yourself go small because you're in so much pain and you don't want to be out there where I feel like it's taking that energy and moving it outward actually helps with the healing process. So REN4 is a really powerful point to empower you to get into that space, to activate your Dantian, to activate that sec that sacral chakra and to, to move that energy in a more efficient, powerful way that's beneficial for you. Mm -hmm. And do you want me to say the essential oils that you can place there too? Or should we just go no, to the points? No, no, just, just kind of like, yeah, a kind of brief overview of the points. So they're kind of like, okay. yeah, clear in our minds. Okay. Okay. And then the second point that helps with the daimai, which is the meridian that goes horizontal, is gallbladder 41, which is on the foot in between the fourth and fifth toe. And I think those are the only two I mentioned, and then spleen four. So spleen four is on the inside of your foot at the base of your first toe, about an inch below that. Okay, cool. But, yeah. And I will, uh, I can, I'll list all the points with all the oils and then people can have a downloadable sheet. I think that'd be easier and then they could see. Yeah, that's pictures awesome. and yeah thank yeah. you so much okay so we've got those three would are there any others that you typically suggest for women or people with endo to I'd focus on at home are there any kind of more go-tos that you would give them um another one would be spleen eight and this is a great page for this is a one a wonderful point for pain okay and that point is on the inside of the leg. It's about three inches from the top of the tibula, which is the um, bone, the inside bone. There's two, you have two bones, the femur and the tibula. And so that bone is on the inside and the top of your, so it's pretty much where your knee is. If you put, if you bend your, if you're sitting and you have your knees bent and you have your hand over your knee, it's pretty much where your thumb hits that skin. Okay. Inside. Okay, I that's, it. Yeah. that's, that's spleen nine. That point could be sore for some people too. And then if you go three inches down, that's spleen eight. Okay. So spleen eight is kind of like where that dip is. Am I feeling that right? I'm just trying to like. So the top, the top one is where you feel that dip. Okay. And that's spleen nine. That's at the top, the okay. top of your knee. Right. And that's also good for knee pain if you have knee pain too. But the top one. And if you go down three inches, that's spleen eight. And spleen eight is a, it's called the she cleft point. And that's a really good point to help move energy in the meridian, specifically if you're having pain. Okay. This is so interesting. And when you, you know, you were saying like you hold them down for like mm -hmm. a few like minutes, would you, do you ever like, could you kind of do circular motions like on yes. the spot? Okay. 
Yeah, so you would press it down until you feel like it's enough, like it's painful, you have enough um, tension. Mm-hmm. And then you can hold it. You can just hold it and press it down and take and take deep breaths, make sure you're breathing. And you can then do circular motions. You could hold it, do circular motions, release it, put, go deeper. You kind of can just play with the tension and the pressure depending on what you need. If, But one of the things is if you are in pain, the point could be more painful. So... Um, you know, that's the, one of the things about acupuncture that people fail to mention. If you are in pain, getting acupuncture or acupressure is, can be painful, but it's very effective. So it feels like it's just because there's more tension in the body. Your nervous system's more activated. Your muscles are more tender, but if you can move past that pain then you'll feel the relief. Okay. No, that's good to know. Cause I think, yeah, sometimes we don't want more discomfort if we're already in discomfort, but might just need exactly. to push through a little bit more a tiny bit not too much a tiny yeah. bit and that's why the essential oils are great because that's what you can start to utilize the essential oils to help with that kind of pain like geranium rose is a good one for pain um and i usually often use that point on spleen four and spleen eight okay and yeah. with the essential oils would you ever recommend someone uses so if so say if I was just in loads of pain, um, would you ever recommend that I get into a bath with any of those oils? Uh yeah, you can totally get into bath. I mean, I like to do salt baths, so I do like big Epsom salt baths mm, or yeah Himalayan salt baths, and then I would then add essential oils. You just want to make sure that it's not you. You're adding you know a few drops. You don't want to put a lot. Because it could irritate the skin. But yeah, I love essential oils in bath. I often do lavender in baths, geranium rose. Yeah. I I haven't used it myself, but my friend used to use, I don't know if she still does, clary sage oil on her abdomen yeah. and in a bath for her period pain. Is that a good yeah. one? Clary, yeah, clary sage is good. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just don't like the smell, but yeah. Oh, it's right. A- okay. I haven't smelled it, it, so I'm not really sure. Yeah. Is this one of those things, you know what I mean? Like it's a really good oil, but it doesn't resonate with me. So I don't really use mm, it. Yeah. But I use it on, but I use it on clients, but then I have used it on clients and clients don't like the smell. You know what I mean? So it's one of these things okay. where like I'll use oils on people and they're like, oh, I don't really like that smell. And then I won't use it on them because there is that resonance, you know, like what I was talking about earlier, like you need to feel that connection to what you're doing and if and it makes it more powerful. So like, I don't use clary sage. I'd rather use fennel. Okay. Yeah. But Clary Sage is great. (laughs) Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. BU make natural, organic products to help us to manage our periods, sleep well, and achieve a greater sense of well-being. Their product line is expanding all the time with just amazing products that I, I love. I'm so happy that this company exists because they're natural for a start and they really focus on menstrual well-being and that's just so important to me they have a cbd balm cbd drops cbd sprays um that can all help you to manage your um menstrual pain they have patches which you can use during the beginning of your period and the lead up to your period to soothe pain and the endometriosis community love them There's also the sleep pillow mist. So if you're really trying to improve your sleep 
or you're trying to reduce levels of anxiety when you're sleeping. The sleep pillow mist is just full of soothing essential oils to help with that. They have a menstrual cup now and a menstrual cup foaming cleanser. Um, so if you can wear menstrual cups, then I totally recommend BU. Their cup is made with um, 100% soft medical grade silicone. There's no PPA, no latex, no dye. As I said, all of their products are natural. The company are really committed to women's rights, menstrual health, and good quality products. And I mean, obviously, I know them personally because they're my sponsors and they're just a lovely company to support. So if you're interested in having a look at their range, the link is in my show notes. Um, I would love to hear what you think and how you get on with them. Be you. Start soothing period cramps a natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis diet grocery list. This download gives you basically a lowdown of what I eat every week on um, a monthly basis and my personal take on the endometriosis diet. It's not a protocol, set protocol that you have to or should follow, but it is here to serve you, give you inspiration and help you see what eating for endometriosis might look like in real life. It's there for you to kind of take inspiration from and help you put your own approach together. To download it, just head to my show notes and follow the link to get your free copy. As we're talking about oils, castor oil packs, I mean, you can kind of, you see them everywhere on Instagram and um, on the internet about like for endo and period pain. But I've not really used them properly because, or much, because I found them really messy. Um, And also, um, I don't know, I found that getting getting the instructions off the internet didn't feel Mm -hmm. like a a wise idea just I guess because we're all taught to be a little bit cautious of oil and you know your skin and stuff like that so I know that you're a fan of castor oil packs and I wondered if you could share how we could use them at home for endo pain I love castor oil and I agree that it's kind of a pain in the butt and so I (laughs) I just can't handle the whole and who has 45 minutes to lay down it's just like I don't it's like so, I mean, you know, you can do it, but I just don't find it, at least I don't find it to be time efficient. So I don't do it the way people tell you to do it. Right, so okay. there's two ways of doing it. So castor oil treats congestion, adhesion, scar tissue, benign cysts, fibroids. I mean, it's really a great oil. It goes in, it penetrates about four inches in the skin. So it's really powerful. It pulls out toxins. So I love castor oil. And it's great for constipation, digestion. It does a multitude of different things. So there's there's this one woman. She's from Canada. She has this company called Queen of Thrones. And she's... <laughs> Love the name. It's, it's a great name. And she sells this product. It's kind of like a castor oil ace bandage. So it's pretty much cotton on one side, plastic on the other. You put the castor oil on the inside and you attach it to yourself. Oh, okay. And it's pretty much, I mean, I love it. I mean, I had the idea myself and I wanted to create it. And then somebody created it and I was like, wonderful, I could just buy it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
it's a little pricey, but it's like seven. I think it's like seventy nine dollars U.S. for glass castor oil, and she recommends only buying castor oil in glass because since it's such a porous oil, it does absorb the toxins oh, that are in the plastic. I see. Right. So it could be absorbing like all the BPA, which exactly. has been like linked very strongly to endo. So then <laughs> putting it on our abdomen is probably not the best idea. Exactly. And with endo, I mean, it's so important to get rid of chemicals. I mean, that's why it's so important to use sanitary napkins and tampons that are all, all clean, organic, no chemicals. And I tell my endo clients to not even use tampons because I feel like tampons um, do the opposite of what's intended because your body wants to shed and energy and then a tampon will just absorb. So you're keeping things in your body. And so I, I tell my clients to avoid tampons if they can, or use them very, very minimally and definitely not to sleep with them. Um, but that's a side conversation, but back to the castor, (laughs) um, castor oil. Um, so it's really important to use castor oil that doesn't, that's not leaking anything. So glasses, glasses, glass. And so with her product, it's, it's super, super easy. She has this cloth. You put the castor oil on it. I like to warm them up in my hands because I'm not going to put it on a stovetop and warm it up, nor will I put it in the microwave because then that feels like that just ruins all the nutrients. Yeah, of course. So I put castor oil on my hands and I let my body heat warm it up. And then I apply it to this this wrap that she offers. And then I just put the wrap on my body and just cover it with an old t-shirt and do my day. So I just, I usually, it's usually a day that I'm home. I'm So I read, do whatever I'm doing. I just keep the castor oil on and just pack on and just let my body heat warm it up. And if I really feel like something's going on or I feel like I need more attention, I'll, I'll put a water bottle to it and just lay down maybe, or just continue working or reading or watching a movie or something. So I don't really do the whole castor oil, lay down, put the heating thing and like rest for 45 minutes just cause I'm like, I just, it just, I just don't. And most of my clients don't. I mean, I tell them to do castor oil packs and they just look at me like it's not going to happen. <laughs> so if you can't get the, the queen of thrones, um, castor oil pack, what I used to do before I discovered this method is I would take the castor oil, warm it up with my hands, apply it to my pelvic and stomach area. Then I would take an old towel. I would put the towel over it. Mm -hmm. Then I would do, it's kind of a lot of steps, but then I would do a, with saran wrap or like, I like to use like something that's like as clean as possible. Like they have like ones that are made out of corn and something you get on like an actual food store. And then I put an ACE bandage over it and then I just... What's an ACE bandage for? I, I haven't heard of that ace, in the UK. An ACE, an ACE bandage is essentially like if you sprain your ankle uh-huh. or you sprain your arm or something, You there's a stretchy material that okay. they put around it to keep it stable. Yeah, I think we just call it a bandage, I guess. I think it's, yeah, I think that must be what it is. So, um, yeah, I would take the wider ones, they sell different widths. So the wide ones, I take, I buy that and I just wrap my belly around it. Not, you know, not, to not tight, but just enough to keep it stable. And then I just put an old t-shirt and let my body heat warm it up. So that's my, um, cheating kind of castor, but it's effective because your, your, our bodies are warm. And then if I want more heat, I apply more heat, but I like to just keep the castor oil on and just like keep it on while I'm like 
cleaning my house, like mm-hmm. just like, so, so it's not like it's taking extra time out of my day. I'm just keeping it on me while I'm doing what I need to do. And it warms up with my body heat. And how much, when you say you put the castor oil on your hands, like how much should we be um, using? I usually eyeball it, but I usually use like maybe two tablespoons. Okay. So it's you'll just pop right. it in your hands for a minute to warm yeah. up. Okay. That makes sense. Would it, obviously, so it's going to be drawing out the toxins. Mm-hmm. And does it help alleviate pain in the moment? Um, I think I feel like personally, it's it has helped alleviate pain in the moment. If I add, if I add, um, external heat, okay. I think then it would. Yeah, it has for me. Like if I put a hot water bottle, it does. Like if I'm having cramps, um, but I usually don't do castor oil when I'm in pain. Usually, um, mostly because I just don't have the energy to deal with applying it that's so, so I, true yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely I think that's why I haven't ever really got into it I usually do castor oil when I'm feeling fine that's what I do like I do it in between my cycles um yeah but when I'm in pain I just I, that's just too it's too much I'd rather just make a cup of tea and Mm. And I use, I do do essential oils when I'm in pain. So one of the brands I like is called Snow Lotus. Um, and they have a brand, they have a mixture called Pelvic Decongest. Oh. And yeah, it has um, Atlas Cedarwood, Jehovah Oil, Ginger, and Geranium Rose. And that mixture is really great. So I usually use that. And then they have another oil that's for pain. I think it's called pain trauma. So I take those two oils, rub them in my hand, put it all over my pelvis, my front and my back. And I find that has been the most um, effective for me in terms of like in the moment. I usually use those oils and then um, do a heating pad and a cup of red raspberry tea and ginger. And I do lots of round and round massage, and that usually helps. Um, so I don't do castor oil when I'm in pain. I'm just, yeah, okay. to be honest. No, no, I'm glad. I'm glad you're honest. I think it's about making it practical, right? Like, and yeah, accessible. So, yeah, so I just do my, um, I do my, I call it the can, the, ca- the castor oil ace thing, because I find it to be more effective in terms of clients' com- compliance for my clients but you know you can do the traditional castor oil pack with the fennel the flat the fennel and you fill it with oil and then you apply it and it's just so messy yeah yeah it is and I mean for anyone who does want to lie down Mm -hmm. could you I mean what's what would be the difference would it be exactly the same well you can buy the the fennel the flannel um and you can fill it with oil apply it you apply a handful of oil I still apply it on my hands because I don't like to warm it up on the fire anyhow. So I apply it on my hands. I warm it up in my hands. I apply it on my skin and then I put the flannel on top or you, another way of doing it is taking the flannel and then putting the oil on the flannel and soaking it with oil. So it's saturated with oil and then putting it on your skin. But if you do it that way, you have to warm up the oil and then put it on the flannel and then apply it on you. You don't want to put the oil on you cold. Okay. So that's why it's like a lot of steps. So yeah. that usually, that's where I just, I'm like, I just can't deal with that. Stuff, and it that stains. <laughs> yeah, it stains. So like, I just find um, castor oil is very, very viscous. 
and it gets on everything and I've ruined shirts wearing it. So, So I use old clothes when I'm doing it. So if you're doing the castor, the traditional type, you're warming up the oil in a non metal pot, applying it to soaking the cat, the flannel, applying it to your skin. Then you're putting plastic on top of that. Then you're putting a towel on top of that, and then you're applying a heat source. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And applying a heat source. So you can either do a electric heating blanket, you can do a hot water bottle, and then you just lie flat and like meditate or visualize or breathe or something, whatever's relaxing. Or I listen to like yoga nidra or something to help calm your mind and yeah. So you can, I mean, if you want to make it a whole ritual, I've done it a few times, but it's just not consistent. So besides doing that ritual, it's a beautiful ritual and you can make it like a beautiful thing, get oils, candles, make it a whole romantic love fest for yourself. It just, um, it's just in how often are you going to do it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So I do the quick version. Yeah. Yeah. No, I... I think it's better that we do a version, even if it's quicker, of anything, right? In terms of like self care or pain ma- method, pain management methods, rather than not do them at all. So if it means that you're going to do something because it's simpler, then I think yeah, I'm all for it. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, so I'm aware that like we need to wrap up soon, but before we do, um. I mean, it depends how big this subject is, but I was mm-hmm. wondering, like, vaginal steaming is everywhere, mm-hmm. um, right. and there's a lot of controversy about uh, around it. There's some people who are really like pro vaginal steaming, and some people who are like, it's bullshit, blah, blah blah. What is your take on it, and how slash could it be helpful for someone with endo, and and could we do it at home? Well, the thing about vaginal steaming, it's it's like getting a facial for your vagina. Like it's not, it's not gonna be too harmful. Essentially, if you don't have an infection, you don't have an open sore, you don't have an IUI or IUD, um, it's pretty benign in terms of um. It's so it's not gonna hurt you. So it's worth trying. And I think vaginal steaming is wonderful. Um, it relaxes your whole pelvic floor. A lot of times, women that have any kind of pelvic disorder, endometriosis, vulvodynia, um, painful menstrual cycles, fibroids, all of those things contract your pelvic floor muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I know so that. sitting, <laughs> so right. So sitting in a, in a, first you're sitting in a squat position already opens up your pelvic floor. And now you have this nice steam that's bringing heat and, and herbs and into your the walls of your vagina, it's relaxing your labia, it's relaxing your pelvic floor. And the herbs essentially like are rose. You can use so many different herbs. So like mugwort is a really good herb to help break up stagnation. You can use rose. You can just use water with a little bit of salt. I mean, there's so many, there's all these vaginal blends out there with so totally all these different herbs. And essentially what it does for endometriosis, it helps to move congestion, which is like a big deal. Like it's like the number one thing with endo is like you want to get things moving. Mm -hmm. Right. So it helps to remove, helps to move. It helps to soften the walls of your vagina. It helps to relieve congestion. And also it helps with old blood. So 
your vaginal walls have have these little cells where the where it's like very porous, right? Where the blood comes through. And a lot of times, so those where the endometrial cells are located and with endometriosis, the cells have moved outside of that, which is causing the pain, right? So when you have the, the, the pores of your, of your vagina are bringing blood out and, you know, all other things come out of there too, but we're focusing on blood. And if it's old blood, you can imagine if these pores, like pipes get crusty, right? And now you have blood trying to come out. It, there's more stagnation, mm, right? Yeah. So if you think about a pipe, like if, like if your pipe is congested with gunk and water is trying to get through, it's not going to go through, right? And then if it does go through, it, it has to use more force to go through the pipe. And then when it's going through the pipe, it's going to take all the old whatever is in there and bring it out. And that's going to cause more pain. So that old blood that's on the outside of those cell of, of those pores is like, it can be manifested in like the brown menstrual blood. That's old blood. So that's blood that's been sitting in your, in your, in your cells. And then now your body has to use more force to push out the new blood to get out the old blood. And that's a lot of that can cause pain. So what the steaming does is that it's, it warms up those, those parts of the walls and softens the walls. So that now when you have your period, it can easily scrape off that old blood. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. And so that's what one of the beneficial parts of steaming is, is because essentially it's like when you're doing a steam, when you're getting a facial, right? If most people that get facials before the esthetician takes out the blackheads, she steams your face to soften up your pores, to soften your skin so that the blackheads can come out easier. The same thing with your vagina. Essentially, we are steaming up the walls, softening up the walls so that old gunk can start to move out of the space so that your next menstrual cycle could be softer and easier. And the less that your body has to push, the less pain that you're in. Right. And that's the same idea with the congestion, the massage, the essential oils, the acupressure, the acupuncture. All of these things are moving energy, moving congestion so that your body has to doesn't have to work so hard to push things out. It softens the wall, softens the muscles, gets things moving. And the vaginal seam works on that effect, just on a different level. And so I'm a I'm a big component of I love vaginal steaming. And also it just it's nice. It's juicy. It gets your gets lubrication happening. It helps with your libido. I've had so many women that are dry, that have a dry vagina. They're not secreting enough moisture. After getting a vaginal steam, they go home, they're juicy, their husbands are happy, they're happy. I mean, <laughs> all around good. And like everything else, it doesn't always work for everybody. You know, it's one of these things you have to try it. You have to um, be willing to try it a few times and also different times of your cycle. You don't get, you don't steam when you're bleeding. Um, it's really great to steam before you start to bleed, maybe like a week or a few days before you you bleed. Um, yeah. So it's one of these things where I definitely say you should try it with somebody that's a facilitator in it. Like maybe somebody that, that, the, that did the Avego training, they're usually well-trained in vaginal steaming or finding someone that that's what they do. It's a very old medicine. It's been around for eons. I mean, women do it in Africa. They do it in Asia. They do it in Latin America. It's something that's been, it's like old, it's like, it's, um, medicine for women that's been going on for generations. So it's always poo-pooed by Western medicine as not being effective, but it's 
women, it's things that your grandmother would have done, your great grandmother would have done. So it's really that ancient medicine that's very simple in its, in its, um, in what it is, but it's really, truly effective. And it also feels really nice. It's, you know, every woman that's gotten off the steam is the steamer at my office. is like, Oh my God, that's so relaxing. And sometimes relaxation is the, is the biggest key to healing. Mm, that's so true. Especially like, yeah, I mean, having up like cortisol that's like kind of yeah sky high is going to cause so many hormonal issues as well so and then inflammation later on down the line if it doesn't calm down so yeah that makes a lot of sense so with the you said find a practitioner so you don't do it at home or learn from a practitioner and then do it at home learn from a practitioner and do it at home if you're nervous about it I mean I think you can go online and go on I mean there's like what's that woman's name? Um, Yoni steam, um, steamy chicks. Okay. Steamy chicks. Yeah. She's a, she has a website and she's a lot of information on her website and you can go online. I mean, it's very, very simple. I mean, I could, I mean, I have a little information on it on my website as well. And essentially you are, I mean, there, you can buy vaginal steaming kits, you know, you can get fancy with it. Um, but you can also just take a camping chair and make a circle out of it and then take a crock pot, fill it with herbs, warm it up and have the steam and sit over it, you know? So there's, you can make it really cheap. I mean, some women do it over the toilet. I think it's kind of weird, but yeah, they I'm empty. I, I'm not idea. into that. Yeah, I'm just like, I think it's kind of gross because the toilet has its function. Um, and that's not one of them. Um, I use a steaming stool that I bought from True Women's Healing um, in LA. She has these steaming pots that fold so they're nice and compact and you don't have to um store it somewhere you can just put it in the closet and take it out um so i love that one and so essentially you're pretty much creating a stool um situation one of the things i did on amazon before i got all fancy is i bought two stools like regular you know circular stools that were like 10 bucks each and i just put it on each on one butt cheek Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then I had a um what is it called? Um like a can a little camping stove, Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. And then I bought a ceramic pot, put filtered water, put some herbs in it. And I use the herbs I use are I use mugwort, hibiscus, rose, calendula, yarrow flower. And these are all moistening and helping with blood stagnation and thing, and getting things to move. And then I put the pot, warmed it up, sat over it, and then just put a big towel around me, a blanket around me. And so that was like 30 bucks on Amazon altogether. So that was like my um, home version. And, and then in the clinic, I bought like a nice vaginal steam, steamer because it's for clients and stuff. So you can be super fancy with it or you can be creative and, you know, depending on how you want to do it, but there's a lot of information online. And I would say when in doubt, seek out, I mean, I'm happy to, you know, people want to email me. I'm happy to, you know, answer questions and guide them and give them some ideas on how they can make it happen. Um, but it's definitely not very complicated, but if you're somebody that's anxious about it and you want to make sure you're doing it right, then you can definitely seek out a practitioner. Um, but it's pretty easy to do. 
Okay, cool. And I guess anyone listening who's going to try it at home, just be super careful because it is boiling water. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's steaming. So you definitely don't want to get on it if it's hot. Like you want to make it, it's warm steam. It's, a, it's essentially the same temperature as when they steam your face. If you haven't gotten a facial, um, it's a warm steam, but it's not hot. You never, ever, ever want to put essential oils in the steaming water because essential oils are too strong and it's going to, it's not, you just don't want to do it. It's going to be a painful experience. So that's a big no, no. And yeah. But I mean, also you can put flowers in it. You know, if you have a garden, you can take some of your flowers. You can put rose petals in it. You know, it could be something that's your own, your own unique blend of what you want to put in, in your, but it all, you take rosemary outside, pick some rosemary. If you have any of those kinds of things, you can put it in. So I really just, you know, I would say find, if you are growing anything, you can use whatever you're growing, but you can also seek out, um, or plants that would be effective for whatever you're trying to heal. Lavender. I love to pick lavender. I have a lavender bush outside. Just take some lavender twigs and put it in the, um, put it in the mix. I love lavender. I'm obsessed with mm-hmm. lavender. It's like yeah. my favorite. Um, yeah. So if it's calling to you, you can, you can do a steam of just lavender and rose petals and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely my kind of two flowers I go to. Um, yeah. They're so competent. Okay, cool. That's super helpful. And, um, I will put links to some of the sources that you mentioned in terms of like where to get chairs from and things like that, stalls, rather. Um, and you will be providing a download with kind of like the points that you mentioned, um, which the link will be in the show notes. Um, so that's um, so helpful. Thank you so much. Cause I think we've talked a lot about on the show things that you can go to or, or like, you know, go and seek out um, support for, and I guess, a, you know, a lot around nutrition, but not necessarily like, methods that we can start doing at home um so this has been so interesting and so helpful thank you so much you're welcome Um, yeah before we like end is there any kind of anything that you want to share like as a kind of yeah a key takeaway or anything that you think people should start with first out of what we've discussed well I would say the the first thing that people should start with first is creating a connection to their womb and, and really starting to believe that they can heal and trusting their body and building that loving relationship with themselves, I find to be the most effective. And, um, for someone that has gone through years of menstrual pain and discomfort, I've really learned to embrace my, my femininity and my womb space and developing that relationship has totally shifted how I am in the world. And so I really think it's important to, um, take ownership of what's going on in your body and implement, you know, as many or as little self-healing tools as you'd like. But I really think it's important to create something like if it's just a massage or if it's just the acupressure or if it's just a bath or, um, the vaginal steeping. I mean, there's so many different ways to heal and we didn't even talk about everything. There's so no, many different yeah, things that so people many. can do. Um, so I would say do whatever feels the most 
simple and something that you can do, right? Because there's so many things that you can do, but what will you do? And what will you do is the most important. So if it just means that every morning you wake up and put your hand over your womb and you breathe, take three deep breaths, and that's all you can do, I would say go for it. That's amazing. You know, I congratulate whatever whatever time you can take to connect to yourself is the most important thing you can do for yourself and for your healing. And just know that there are people around the world that are, that love you and support you and are here for you and um, want to see you get better and that you're not alone. Wow. Those are, yeah. What a beautiful message to end with. Thank you (laughs) so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure to chat with you and um, yeah, and just get this education on acupressure. I'm really fascinated by that. So I'm, I'm going to be downloading, <laughs> downloading the, <laughs> the freebie. Um, yes. So yeah, thank you so much for coming on. And um, I hope you have a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It was, it's, been a minute. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.